Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio projects. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. I'm your host, Julie Lithcott-Hames. Today, we're going to find out if students at elite high schools end up competing more with each other than with the total applicant pool. And a little later, we'll get updates from some of the high school seniors we're following. All my deadlines seem to be converging into like a few days. My November 1st deadline for Columbia, my school marking period ends this week, and I'm starting some really late rehearsals for my shows, and a lot of stressors compressed into one week, but I'm making it through, wearing a lot of sweatpants, minimal makeup. (laughs) Um, That's kind of how I get through things. But first... We asked one of our veteran admissions officers, Park Muth, to answer some listener questions. Park worked for 28 years as a dean and admissions officer at the University of Virginia. He now consults with schools, families, and students on the college application process. Our first question is from a parent in Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Donna from Pennsylvania, and I'm the mother of a high school junior who's a straight-A student taking all honors and AP courses. She's not interested in the pressures of an Ivy League school, but is really hoping to be offered a full scholarship elsewhere. How can we determine which better schools are more likely to offer her a full ride? Thanks a lot. Donna, thanks. That's a great question. One of the things that you're going to need to think about is, are you really looking for a full scholarship or are you looking for a partial scholarship? Because in this day and age, almost half of the students who are being offered admission to colleges and universities are getting what's called a tuition differential, or in other words, a merit scholarship. They're getting some money. The number of schools that actually offer full scholarships, full merit scholarships, not surprisingly, is very small. I mean, it costs 60000 or $50,000 a year per student. If you just Google full scholarships, colleges and universities, you'll come up with a list of schools. But I'll, I'll mention a couple that have programs and what you could do to help your daughter investigate those. And those are called the Jefferson Scholarship, and that's a four-year full scholarship at the University of Virginia, and the Moorhead Scholarship, which is four-year full scholarship at the University of North Carolina. The important thing to know about them is that it's not just that you have straight A's and it's not just that you have strong testing. They are looking for sort of the full package. In other words, they're looking for students who basically have three characteristics. They're very bright and motivated. They have the potential to become leaders, and they've already committed themselves to helping their communities in a significant way. So it's scholarship, leadership, citizenship. In addition to that, these programs have been around long enough that the high schools are involved in the process. In other words, if Donna wants her daughter to be considered for one of these scholarships, she should go into the college counseling office and say, are we a Jefferson Scholars nominating school or are we a a Moorhead? Because if they're not she likely won't get considered. And if they are, then the school nominates her, and that sort of puts them 
into the system where they have to fill out special applications. But to go back to your question about schools that provide these kinds of scholarships, Vanderbilt, for example, they're one school that offers scholarships. Washington and Lee, I know one student who got a full scholarship. So there are 30 or 40 schools out there that I know of off the top of my head, and the majority of those are private institutions. But they are looking for not just supporting a wonderful student, but is going to support their mission. In other words, they may be looking for a student from the West Coast because they're on the East Coast, or they may be looking for a low-income student that they've never had from Montana. Or, I mean, there are other factors that come into play that each school has that you'd have to investigate on your own. Thanks, Park. That was great information. You know, I have a couple of other thoughts myself. It kind of gets to this larger question of which school is really going to be the right fit for a particular student. Uh, For example, many students today are just doing everything they possibly can to get into the most highly selective college possible. When there's research that shows that it's advantageous for a student to go to a college a tier or two below the quote-unquote best tiered college they got into. And that's because it's the top students at every college that get the most attention from faculty there. So when it comes to Donna's daughter in Pennsylvania, who it sounds like has a pretty impressive transcript and profile, etc., I would encourage Donna's daughter to think about, okay, let me look one tier down from the schools that I'm pretty sure that I could have the grades and scores to get into. Let me look a little below them in the rankings, because it's those next set of schools that are going to regard Donna's daughter as a very, very promising candidate for admission to their school. They will regard her as one of the top prospects and are more likely to offer her money, merit money, accordingly. Another thought is many, many of our big universities offer a small honors college type program. So you can go to a campus and be a student among tens of thousands on the campus, but your particular academic program is a much, much smaller one called an honors program. And I would encourage Donna's daughter to Google that, figure out who's offering that kind of opportunity. Often merit-based money will be attached to admitting students who are looking into those honors college programs. So it's late October. We just heard at the top of the segment from a student, happened to be Jordana, telling us that with the convergence of all these deadlines at this time of year, she's just wearing sweatpants and minimal makeup. (laughs) That made me giggle. I mean, yeah, this is that time of year. There's a lot of tension around applications, the grind of schoolwork. It's all kind of coming to a head. So that we don't get too obsessed with all that, we wondered what our seniors were up to that had nothing to do with all of that pressure. This is August Graves. Lately, I've been spending a lot of time napping. I'm having a really hard time um, with this, like, de-stressing process. So, I mean, napping is kind of, like, my best bet in terms of just, like, trying to get my mind off of stuff. This is Ellis Wells calling in. I guess the one thing that I've been doing pretty consistently throughout this whole process is just, like, trying to do something that distracts me. It's kind of just been, like, shooting around a basketball, whether it's just, like, by myself or with some friends or playing basketball. Well, I'm not particularly good at it, but it's just fun. I wish I was better. And Halloween is about to happen, and that's a very well-timed distraction. So for Halloween, I am being Regina George from Mean Girls with some of my friends, and they're being the rest of the Mean Girls, and it's we're going to like recreate the movie poster from it, and it's going to be awesome. I'm 
so excited for Halloween though. I love Halloween. All the decor is starting to come out and everything looks so autumnal and spooky and in my music classes we're listening to some minor organ music and it's setting the tone. So yeah, so for Halloween my friends and I are going to a party that one of my friends is throwing and it's just going to be so great because when you give theater kids an excuse to wear crazy costumes and go nuts, like, it's incredible. And then a few of my friends and I are coming back to my house and watching scary Halloween movies and having a girls' night, which everyone's going to need, and then we'll all go to rehearsal the next morning together. That was Getting In senior Jordana Meyer. We also heard from Ellis Wells and August Graves. I'm so glad these kids are managing to find an element of fun, an element of childhood, an element of life that has nothing to do with college admission. We've got one more listener question. This one's from a teacher at a public high school nearby me in Silicon Valley. Hi, my name is Joyce Fortune. I'm a teacher in a very, very high-achieving public high school. We're in the Newsweek Top 100, and a very high percentage of our students go to four-year colleges. There's a lot of competition at my school to take as many AP classes as possible to get the highest grades as students can. My question is, how much are our students competing with each other, and how much are they competing with the rest of the country to get into college? There's a really strong feeling here that they're competing directly with their peers at the school, and that leads to a lot of problems between the students and a lot of feelings of stress and obviously competition. Thanks so much. I'm rewording the question here. If you go to a great high school, are you getting punished? This is a question that gets asked thousands of times because that's the word on the street. If you go to a great high school, the competition is so much tougher and that's going to make it harder for you to stand out. And you know what? That's true. If you're in a school where 99% of the people go on to four-year schools, and that's probably going to be true much more of, say, private or boarding schools, but even the great public schools. You know, my example that I'm going to use is Thomas Jefferson High School for Science Technology. Why? Because it has the highest number of national merits in the country. Um, it's without question one of the best high schools, not only in the United States, but in the world. You have to pass a very tough test to get in. And these students, like the students at Stuyvesant and some of the other magnet schools, these are high-achieving students. Now, the good that comes with that is you're around a lot of people like you. They love to learn. There aren't a lot of slackers. There are people who are incredibly bright and motivated. And in that sense, you get to swim in those wonderful waters. I mean, if you're around a bunch of people that love to learn, that shouldn't depress you. That should encourage you. This is the question we get a lot. If my son or daughter went to this other school, they would be valedictorian. But because they go to this incredibly competitive high school, they're in the middle of the class. First of all, there's no way of proving that. How do you know that? And secondly, do you really want to be in a school where being bright and motivated is a negative. So the good is you're in an incredibly vibrant atmosphere with a lot of very bright people. And if you get out of the name game, I mean, TJ kids are going to get into top schools. Is Harvard going to take 20 of their students? No. It's a trade-off. They're getting much better training of what it's going to be like at a selective school. And they're going to get into a selective school. Now, I've said all that warm and fuzzy stuff. On the other hand, I mean, I, I know for a fact that TJ in the past several years, a number of people have pulled their kids out of there because they're saying, 
the GPA they're, they're going to have is going to prevent them from even getting into the top state schools. And so I'm putting them back in their local school where the chances are they're going to have much higher grades, which is an unfortunate trend. Thanks for that, Park. I know that in my community here in Silicon Valley and plenty of other places around the nation, this is a question on many students' and parents' minds. And I think Park really nailed it when he said, look, is it all about just getting into one of those top 20 or 30 brand name schools? Because if so... Yeah, the reality is if you're at a Thomas Jefferson, otherwise known as TJ, or a Gunn or Pally High School here in Palo Alto, you're competing with each other for spots at those most highly selective schools. Schools look at candidates based on the context, it's called, the context of their high school environment. They want to know, did you do the most you could with the opportunities available at your high school? And you can choose to be frustrated by that or depressed by that or feel that you're each other's competitors. Or you can say, my goodness, I'm at a fantastic high school. I am so fortunate and lucky to have access to these amazing courses and teachers and to have classmates that are motivated and bright, as Park was saying. That's the advice I give my two kids who are at one of these really wonderful public high schools. And when you've gone to a fantastic high school, you will be incredibly well prepared to be incredibly successful wherever you go. And that's kind of the point of all this. It's not the brand name of the school you get admitted to or go to. It's really how you perform once you get there. That's what opens doors to opportunity in grad school and the workplace and life beyond. So kids who are at highly competitive publics and privates, have no fear. Work hard. Be motivated. Delight in learning from your classmates and your teachers and your incredible classes. And have tremendous confidence that this high school experience has prepared you to excel wherever you go. Boy, do we love hearing from you. Send us an email or better yet, a voice memo to slate.com, Or you can call our hotline and leave a message. That number is 929-999-4353. And that's it for this episode. You can keep up with us and find out more about our experts and teens at slate.com slash getting in. And please go leave us a comment on iTunes. It helps other people discover our show. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Production help from Barry Finkel. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie Lithcott-Hames, and I hope you'll join us next time on Getting In. And remember, it's not just about getting in someplace. It's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book you might try out from Audible is Rising Strong by Brene Brown. She tells us how owning our stories of failure gives us the power to write a daring new ending. If you want to listen to Rising Strong or many other books, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com college. 
That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash college. And use the promo code COLLEGE. 